Glory to God who has given us salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Firstly, I'd like to thank your rector, Father Doran, for inviting me once again to have the, the blessing of coming here to be among you and to share the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ with you. So thank you, Father Doran. And thank you, Father Kraft, as well. Um, and secondly, I'd like to uh, apologize. I've, this is my third time here, and each time that I've come, the rains begin to fall, and the temperature <laughs> drops by 20 to 30 degrees. And uh, so I come from New England, and apparently uh, I've been packing the New England weather with me and bringing it out here. So. I apologize. It was just amazing when I looked at the weather uh, the day before coming out. I said, I don't believe it. I, I just, I don't believe it. Not again. Today we celebrate Good Shepherd Sunday. Our Lord Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, the one conceived and born from the Blessed Virgin Mary, the one who broke bread with his disciples the one who died on the cross confronting sin and death, the one who was raised from the dead in victory over sin and death forever, the one who ascended into heavens, that same Jesus is with us today and is our good shepherd. And he says to us that we are to know him and to know his voice. You see, it's not enough to know about Jesus we must know him and know him so intimately, so personally, that we know his voice. And we're able to discern when it is that Jesus is speaking to our heart. Years ago, there was an episode of Seinfeld. I don't know if there are any Seinfeld fans here, but there was an episode of, blessed are you, there's a... <laughs> An episode of Seinfeld where Jerry was, uh, had a, a new girlfriend. I think that was true in every episode. He had a new girlfriend. And uh, she called, and he answers the phone, says, hello. And she says, hi, it's me. And he gets very perturbed. You know, who is she to say, hi, it's me? We haven't been dating that long. You know, we, we're not that uh, uh, intimate with one another yet. And then Elaine gets bent out of shape. Yeah, who is she? She can't say, hi, it's me. I could say, hi, it's me. But she can't say, hi, it's me. And it went on and on for 30 minutes, like every episode of Seinfeld. This is how it is with Jesus. We are to know his voice so intimately that when he speaks to our heart and says, hi, it's me, we know that it's him. To be able to know him so intimately, so personally, that we can discern the voice of the Lord and discern that it's different from that of the world or that of the flesh or that of the devil. We must know who it is who is speaking to us. Is it Jesus? The only way to know is to know him personally and to know his voice and discern what is truly him and what is counterfeit. 
Last night, I preached at the little chapel uh, next door, and a woman named Sue, is that right? I don't think it was a boy named Sue. It was, uh, that was a little Johnny Cash reference to those of you who don't know Johnny Cash. Um, uh, a woman named Sue came out, and she said that actually when um, persons are being taught to discern what's the, the real thing from what's counterfeit, they, they actually study only the real thing. Then when they see something that's counterfeit, um, they recognize it right away. They recognize it right away. They're not confused. Where if you study the counterfeit first and then the real thing, it can cause confusion. So you, you study the real thing, and then you're able quickly to identify what's counterfeit. And, and I said to Sue, that is awesome. I'm going to borrow that and use it tomorrow. So I used that. That's exactly right. We must become so familiar with our Lord Jesus Christ and so familiar with his voice that we are easily able to identify the counterfeit, to be able to discern when it is Jesus and when it's not, when it's the world or the flesh or when it's my wife, <laughs> although she and God both must be obeyed. <laughs> And so how do we come to know Jesus so intimately, so personally, that we who are the sheep will know his voice? Well, it begins in prayer. It begins in prayer, but not simply praying. But while praying, say, Lord, reveal yourself to me in my heart, in my life. Enable me to know your voice in time. Enable me to know you through my prayer life so intimately, so personally, that I, who am part of your sheep, will know your voice when you speak to me. And then, of course, the word of God. It's not enough to own a Bible. It's not enough to simply have a Bible at home that you put out when Father Doran comes to visit, <laughs> you know, and break the binder so it looks like you've looked in it, you know. Uh, it's not enough to even just read the word of God. We are to pray the word of God. God has entrusted to us his very word. And his life and presence is found in his word. And so we must pray the word and cry out, Father, as I read your word today, open my heart. May your word take deep root within me and bear forth much fruit in my life. May your word be the living word for me, for your word is truth. If Father Doran were to give you, well, let's say Father Kraft, if he was to give you his word, would you not believe it, right? <laughs> if Father Kraft says he's going to do something, you would trust him. And that's, I, I also would trust uh, Father Doran, although I told the nine o'clock or the nine fifteen class that uh, I trust him, even though he's he identifies himself as the bearded hippie priest, and so, uh, but I do trust him. If he gives me his word, I trust him. Well, if I would trust a hippie bearded priest, and uh, and his friend Father Kraft, would I <laughs> would I not trust God when He says, "I give you my word." And so he gives us his word 
but we must ask him to place his word within us, to write his word within our hearts, that his word may truly be on our minds, upon our lips, and written within our hearts. How else do we come to know Jesus so intimately, so personally, that we would recognize his voice? Well, it's in getting to know him. In the Acts of the Apostles lesson today, the part that we heard is actually part of a a larger context that starts at uh, chapter 2, verse 37. So if you have your Bibles, um, you can open up to the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verse 37. And we're going to hear about how those who first came to faith in Jesus Christ, how they came to know him as well and as personally and as intimately as the apostles who walked with him and were taught by him and who ate with him for three years. Okay, so Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, beginning at verse 37. It says, now when they heard this, who were they? Those to whom the apostles were preaching the good news of Jesus. Just a few short days earlier, the apostles were hiding away in a darkened room behind locked doors because they were gripped by fear. And here we see them out on the streets proclaiming the good news of Jesus to everyone whom they encountered. And what made the difference was that they had an encounter with the risen Christ and he breathed into them the Holy Spirit. And so here they were now proclaiming openly the good news of Jesus. And so uh, the good news is being shared with us. So now when they, those to whom the gospels were, the apostles were preaching the good news of Jesus, that God himself had come in the person of Jesus, that Jesus had confronted sin and death on the cross and was raised in victory over death, so that sin and death was no longer the final word in this world, nor the final word over you or over me, but life and salvation was now the final word of God in this world. That was the good news that they were proclaiming. That sin and death has been overthrown and that the kingdom of God has come and that the kingdom of God has a name and his name is Jesus and he is risen from the dead and he reigns forever and he is now the final word in this world. So now when they, those to whom the apostles were preaching this good news, heard the good news, they were cut to the heart. That is, they received the good news within the depths of their heart, with their whole heart. When Jesus came into this world, when he died on the cross, when he rose from the dead, he was giving us his heart, fully, holding nothing back. And which one of us, when we love someone with our whole heart, wouldn't want that person to also love us with their whole heart? And so here they're, they're cut to the heart. That is, they want to give their whole heart to Jesus. So often we hear the phrase, make room for Jesus in your heart. Now that sounds nice, doesn't it? Make room for Jesus in your heart. But if I said to my wife, Christine, honey, I got good news for you. I'm going to make room for you in my heart. She'd say, oh, I'm going to make room for you down the street at the hotel. Right? Right? She doesn't want me to say, I'm going to make room for you in my heart. She wants to know that she has my whole heart, my whole heart, 
right? And so Jesus wants our whole heart. And so they were so convicted by the good news of Jesus. They were so excited to know that Jesus was now the final word over them and that no longer sin and death reigned in this world, but that God's kingdom and reign had come. They were so excited, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? That is, now that we believe that Jesus Christ is life and salvation, now that we trust no longer in ourselves, now that we trust no longer in the way of the world, now that we trust in the good news which is Jesus, now that we wish to give to him our whole heart, what must we do to be saved? And Peter, responding on behalf of all the apostles, says, number one, repent. Now, what does repent mean? A lot of people misunderstand when they hear the word repent. They think it means to move from utter unholiness to perfect holiness, or to move from uh, complete darkness to uh, perpetual light, or imperfection to perfection. But what the word repent means is simply to turn around. It's a nautical term. It means to turn around and face the right direction, to turn your heart from the darkness to the light which has come into the world in Jesus, to turn away from the lies of the world and the desires of the flesh, and to turn your heart towards the word of God. It means to choose Jesus, to repent. You see, we don't have to go all the way back. Because we cannot attain to God. God is infinite and we are finite. So we can never attain to God. But because we could not attain to God, God has come to us in the person of Jesus. So when we repent, when we turn around, he's right there. He's right there. And he takes us by the hand and he says, come, let us leave this place. No more will you dwell in darkness. I shall give you the light of life. No longer will you be enslaved to sin. I shall give you the freedom of my forgiveness. No longer shall you dwell in lies, for I am the truth. Come with me. Let us leave this place. And then we walk with Jesus. So the first thing that we do, that they did when they wanted to come to Jesus and to know him, to share in his life, to follow his word, to hear his voice was to repent. And then Peter says to them, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you see, that's the beginning right there. When we are baptized, we partake in the person of Jesus. When we are baptized into Christ, we are baptized into his life, into his death into his victory over sin and death, into his victory over the kingdom of hell, and into the ineffable joy of his resurrection. In baptism, we don't simply bear witness that we believe in Christ. Rather, we share in Christ. We partake in him in an intimate way. As the Bible, as the baptism, baptism liturgy says, we are marked as Christ's own forever. And so we are baptized and we receive the forgiveness of our sins. We come to Jesus with our sins. He takes our sins and he grants us 
forgiveness. We give him the consequence of our sin, which is death, and he gives us in return eternal life. Eternal life. So Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, God the Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. But he also gives us his Holy Spirit, that the life, the very life of God may dwell within us richly and powerfully and change us. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we share in the life of Jesus. It's through the Holy Spirit that we become partakers in his life and come to know the voice of our shepherd, Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus that we come to know God as our Father and to know him personally as our Father. And so we turn and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit within us. And it's the Holy Spirit that makes our prayer a gateway, a conversation, a communion with God. It's the Holy Spirit that makes the Bible the living word. It's the Holy Spirit that makes the saving waters of baptism that new beginning and a partaking in Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that makes the bread and wine the very body and blood of Jesus that we may share in him and he in us in a most intimate and personal way. So he says, uh, you will receive the Holy Spirit. And he tells us that this is the promise of God. That is the promise. That's covenant language. God is saying, I covenant with you. You enter through baptism into this covenant, and all that is my sons by nature from all eternity is now yours by grace and adoption. All that is his by nature is now yours by gift. And the very love that the father has had for, for his own son from all eternity, it is that very love that he pours out on you and me in the Holy Spirit. That's no ordinary thing. And then we're told in that passage that they, those who had come to Christ, who had received his gospel, who were cut to the heart, who repented and were baptized into Christ, who received the forgiveness of the sins, and who received the gift of the Holy Spirit, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And these are also the means through which we come to know Jesus and to know his voice, the voice of our shepherd. We who are baptized devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, not what we desire to believe, but what God has revealed in his son Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit and in the church in every age, from the time of the apostles to the present day, through his holy and life-giving word and through that faith which is called Catholic. We, you know, faith is not a, a Chinese buffet, as good as Chinese buffets are, right? You don't say, well, I've been baptized into Christ. I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of the Trinity. I, I don't really get what's in there, but I'm going to try it. That's not bad. And I, I can deal with the virgin birth. This whole sin thing, I don't want any of that. And wrath of God, ugh, that's spicy. And, you know, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. You see, it's not a buffet. God has revealed the faith. 
He has revealed it in his son Jesus through the Holy Spirit. This is the apostolic faith that has been proclaimed in every age of the church from the time of Christ and the apostles to the present day. It is this faith, the Catholic faith, grounded in God's word, his living word that we receive. So when we are baptized, we don't hold our own faith. It's not what do I think. It's not what does the world teach. It's not have you heard the coolest thing. Like that guy who created, have you seen those new jeans? They come muddy. They're for sale for $450 a pair. Right? Right? It's not that guy that we're going to listen to. Right? Does, is anyone, did anyone here buy those jeans? Because if you did, you really should increase your tithe. You, you know, I mean, if you're going to spend your money on that. But, but anyway, it's not the world that we listen to. It's not our own flesh that we listen to. It's not the devil that we listen to. It's not the latest and newest thing that we choose to believe and follow. It's the living faith of God revealed in Jesus through his Holy Spirit in his word. That faith, which is called Catholic, that has been proclaimed by the church from the time of the apostles down to the present day. The apostles' teaching. But then it also says that they continued in the apostles' fellowship. The apostles' fellowship. What does it mean for us when the apostles lived 2,000 years ago? How can we share in fellowship with the apostles? Well, we must belong to a church that maintains that which was truly apostolic. And it's through by doing that, that we share in fellowship with the apostles. For the body of Christ is living, and we gather here not just with ourselves today, but with the apostles and the martyrs and the evangelists and the saints in every age of the church to worship Almighty God. And so we must be sure that we belong to a church that proclaims the same word of God as the apostles. That we belong to a church that receives the same sacraments, particularly that of holy baptism and holy Eucharist, holy communion, to be born again in Jesus and to be fed by him, to be fed with his very life in the sacrament of his body and blood to uphold the faith of the apostles as we have received it and as we proclaim it in particularly the Nicene Creed in its original form. And to be in a church that has maintained the same apostolic ministry, the same ordained ministry since the time of the apostles, the threefold ministry of bishop, priest, and deacon. To share in this is to share in the fellowship of the apostles even today. So the apostles' teaching and the apostles' fellowship. And then it says, and the breaking of bread. And that's what we're doing here today. We know the good news of Jesus. We know that Jesus is God. We know that God in the person of Jesus has confronted sin and death himself on the cross. We know that he's been raised from the dead. We know that he is God's final word in this world over sin and death. We know that he is our forgiveness. We know he is our light. We know he is our truth. We have been baptized into him.
We have shared in his life intimately. And so now we come to receive him and to be nourished by his very life and the sacrament of his body and blood. For it's in the Holy Eucharist that Christ is realized for us today, where we encounter him, where he feeds us with the gift of his own life, with his body, Jesus, the temple of God, with his blood, which means his very life poured out for us. It is no ordinary thing that we do today in coming to receive his body and blood. And they continued in the prayers, which means the prayers in Greek, the prayers of the church, joining our voices, praying from our hearts with the apostles and the saints in every age to this present day. My brothers and sisters, this is how we come to know Jesus intimately, to know him personally. This is how we come to share in his life. So when the good shepherd speaks to you or to me and speaks to our heart and says, hi, it is me, we will know that indeed it is him, Jesus, our good shepherd, the final word in this world over suffering and death, his word being life and salvation for all who believe in him. Glory to God who has given us salvation in his son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Amen.